0: Will we be the filtered or the filtrate? This is the Great Filter. If I have seen further, it is by standing on the shoulders of giants. Sir Isaac Newton. We are witnessing a pandemic of distrust. As far as I've been able to discern, there are at least two distinct branches of of this distrust we see everywhere we are witnessing currently a direct distrust of both science and authority and there is this subtle maybe not so subtle but there is a connection between both scientific advancement and knowledge and authority and we'll get to that in a minute But first I want to read off, um, Oxford's definition of science. So the first definition entered is quote, the intellectual and practical activity encompassing the systematic study of the structure and behavior of the physical and natural world through observation and experiment. The second definition is quote, a systematically organized body of knowledge on any particular subject, I think that a lot of the distrust <laughs> is aimed at the verb science, right? The the uh, and the actions, the behavior of of searching for and seeking uh, a new understanding of the world around us. But the second definition, right? Science is a verb, or I'm sorry, science is a noun. Uh, Specifically, talks about an organized body of knowledge. So, so we are all on the same page. I'm going to also read uh, the definition of knowledge and one more definition after that. The definition of knowledge, also again by Oxford, the uh, through Google. Right? Knowledge is one quote facts information and skills acquired by a person through experience or education, the theoretical or practical understanding of a subject. And the second definition is, quote, awareness or a familiarity gained by experience of a fact or situation. Okay, now one more definition, fact, all right. Uh, And this is just the first definition, quote, a thing that is known or proved to be true. Now, of course, you already know where I'm going with this, right? You, you can already see, <laughs> kind of see the progression of of what's happening here. But um, just a, a side, quick side note: uh, philosophically, there are arguments against um, the capability of obtaining pure truth, but that's that is not my point. Um, my point is that science is the continual and systematic search for and and refinement of knowledge, ever closing in on that that theoretical ultimate truth. Right, like, kind of like that rainbow. Right, you. Well, I guess not really, <laughs> not really like a rainbow. You can never reach a rainbow you can never reach huh full truth either but uh, the rainbow always kinda stays it's like equidistant I guess not equidistant always at a constant distance whereas the search for science is more of like I don't know like when you're taking well I guess not everybody knows calculus it's kind of like you're just getting as close as you can get as close as we are capable of comprehending something that that is what we're going for it's not uh i, I don't know let's not let's not wax philosophical that can get really um frustrating instead let's talk about this i guess contradictory uh <laughs> state of things that we found ourselves in. Um, it's interesting that the information age, the, the networked world, everybody has a computer, every, everybody's connected, everybody has, uh, you know, some way to reach somebody else. The fact that the information age, that this war against science, and scientific information, fundamentally a war against the search for truth, has given rise to this really bizarre contradiction. Ironically, the information age has given birth to the current disinformation age. Now, as we see, as, as we talk about this more and kind of You know, tease everything apart and really look at everything in a more objective, you know, from a more objective perspective. We'll see that this isn't actually a contradiction. This is the information age is only the carrier of of uh, I guess the substructure of of what's happening here. But we'll 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 get to that in a moment. Uh, Now, objectively. I guess if you're kind of a nihilist, (laughs) you might you might say, you know, who really cares? You know, the universe is going to go on. It doesn't matter if if a, a full understanding of our universe is ever acquired, or if we've ever, you know, if we ever end up, you know, getting over this this sociological hump of of distrust and I guess, objectively, that's a fair point. But subjectively, within the human collective, distrust, the the distrust of of authority and of scientific information and scientific endeavors, right? Research, technology, has, has actually damaged the, uh, the search for truth, right? It's damaged our scientific progress. It's had a dramatic effect on research itself. It's damaging our social cohesion. It's causing fissures and, and, and distancing people from other people, groups from groups we have these divisions that are just <laughs> like erupting around every little morsel of knowledge you know as as they materialize from our efforts from our studies as we are on our journey as we follow these limits and get infinitely close to the infinitely distant truth it seems with every step we take these eruptions multiply and it's getting, it's introducing a, a frailty into our social web. It's introducing a, and not just one, but multiple <laughs> points of, of uh, like uh, like weak links, right? It's it's corroding our <clears throat> our interpersonal armor, and if we are ever <laughs> going to come together as a species and unify and and work on on our collective progress, on our survival, if we are not going to get caught in the great filter, if we have, I, I know I went over, you know, the kind of the, the uh, Rubik's matrix last time, but if, if we are, if there is even the chance that just one of these possible many, many great filters, lies within the realm of something that we can learn about in enough time to prevent it and also have it have them be within the realm of something we can actually do something about then it stands to reason at least from my perspective that perhaps maybe we should probably try to get to a point to where we could do something about them when the time comes if we're still so wrapped up in all this social angst and group against group and right republicans and democrats and and independents and, independence and Christians and atheists and Muslims and Buddhists and blacks and whites and whatever other of the billions of permutations of possible groups you can have out there if we're ever gonna set that shit aside (laughs) and stand a chance at survival we have got to get over this shit We simply have to get to some understanding or I don't know, some foundation that we can all stand on and trust each other. I mean, let's, let's look at hacking. In fact, let's just look at security in general. The, the, to me, Looking out, in a, uh, you know, across a world where security is at the forefront of everything we do. Everything is so security centered. We lock our houses up at night. We install, you know, adware and and malware and and uh, uh, virus scanners, and we build these incredibly intricate firewalls and you know there's an entire you know i'm in the software field so a lot of what i see is very software oriented so i apologize if i'm not (laughs) touching all of the other you know aspects of our of our life but you know I'll, i'll try so uh cars right car alarms and and GPS tracking devices, and intricate satellite tracking devices for when cars get stolen. We have corporate secrets that we hide from other companies and 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 keep to ourselves. And we have uh, uh, patents. And I mean, so much of our daily life is private, privacy centric, or not? I'm sorry, uh, security centric. And my point is that this all exists because we do not trust each other. We are, uh, there is this inherent distrust of, of one another. I mean, you could pull almost any topic out of the blue and we could find a, a security and privacy issue there, COVID, right? Was it man-made? Was it engineered? Is it a conspiracy? Is it a conspiracy to try to get us to get vaccinated? Do we trust the vaccines? <laughs> you know? Uh, do we trust what the scientists tell us about vaccines? Science says they're fine. But then rogue truth warriors talk about autism and health concerns and and oh uh, nanotech that is activated by Wi-Fi that can do all sorts of bizarre things to our bodies. I, I really, really question where that one came from. But still, people believe it, which makes it a trust issue. Uh, government politicians consistently lie and fudge the truth and sneak little passages into the, you know, their latest law that they're trying to get passed or their latest uh, 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 regulation. And the thing is that in politics, they are consistently getting caught and called out and nothing happens. The The machine just keeps perpetuating and, and doing its thing. It's pretty crazy to watch. Uh, police, right? The police are deeply distrusted right now. And like, how, how are we supposed to have faith in the law that is put out there and created by people that are inherently distrustful and on top of that enforced by even more distrusted people or people that are distrusted even more, uh, big pharma. Oh, dear God. (laughs) They push bad medicine a lot. Not all the time, enough. They literally uh, lie in their research just so that they didn't end up wasting the last 10 years, multi-billion dollar venture for, you know, a a small array of different drugs that, that... poison people and have such a small effect that anybody who knows anything about research could tell you it doesn't really have any effect at all yet they push it they push it like it's the latest fucking you know miracle drug in fact um several several years ago i worked for a company called yesco this is not about yesco i I actually really admire the people I worked with there, but uh, there was a company in the back renting out some of the uh, back offices, something biotech, and uh, I used to meditate in the back on my lunch breaks. And I was in there, I had the door locked, cause there, there were some empty offices, right? They weren't using them, nobody was using them, so why not? So I would go into the room, lock the door, you know, get down on the floor, Put a little thing down and, and just meditate for about a half hour. Granted, this is to you hearsay, but to me, this is uh, something that actually happened. And uh, the owner of this biotech company, or the the CEO, I guess, or somebody—I'm pretty sure it was a CEO—came walking down the hall with a couple of people. He was he was showing you know their office space to and giving them a, a um, overview of their latest projects and uh and they stopped in front of my door and he he was talking about uh you know that they were going to think about renting out some of these other offices and he wanted to show them the office so he stopped at the office i was in and tried the door and obviously it was locked because i was in there and he goes huh i guess somebody must have locked it that's weird but that had caused them to stop and talk right there in front of this door and they talked there for about five minutes but there was this this segment of the conversation where the CEO of the company basically said and I'm paraphrasing here I'm sorry I wish I could remember the exact words but something to the effect of oh no 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 that that's not that's not how we do it You see, what you do is, you push the product through as quickly as possible, get it on the shelves. I remember him using the term on the shelves as quickly as possible. And so that by the time the lawsuits come rolling in, you'll have made enough money to handle all the lawsuits and still come out on top. No shit. Now, if I remember correctly, I think they did end up losing some sort of license. (laughs) But the point is, that is not uncommon. That is fairly regular in that industry. And it causes trust issues that they do this shit. Now, one of the most recent ones, or one of the most, I guess, recent... uh, arenas of of trust problems comes from big tech (laughs) I mean who is not aware of what is happening right now it is company after company after company doing shitty sly sneaky things consistently and it is aggravating to watch this it's sad it's disgusting it's it's heart-wrenching that we are in this spot And the list just goes on and on and on. Those are just, you know, what, three, four, five off the top of my head. (laughs) It is not something that's, you know, confined to those areas. It is something that happens everywhere all the time, and it causes trust issues. No matter what it is that they're doing, there is something always big enough, bad enough, deleterious enough that it causes serious trust issues that fucks with our communal cohesion and the the issue with this is that the more technologically advanced we become the more scientifically wealthy we become more knowledgeable the greater the gulf of financial disparity and interpersonal distrust but let's pull back and be a bit more objective here when analyzing the dynamics of human affairs specifically one need only seek the motivational foci and in doing so we can pull back the curtains and discover what it is that, that is pulling these strings that is causing these uh you know CEOs and, and people of power to to get involved with and execute such <laughs> crazy things that just uh you know actions that cause this. Why do they do this? What what is in it for them that makes them turn their backs on their own species for what? If if we look at government specifically, I don't think it's too <laughs> far of a stretch to see the uh, the grab for power. That it, there's a there's a very heavy ego-driven sort of mentality that that <laughs> that the government draws right. It it attracts people that have power in their minds. It, I don't think there's a politician that doesn't. Anybody who gets into the politics gets into politics because politics provides the power which they need to enact the changes and reformations that they want to see. Government is the (laughs) epitome of manifest ego. And what is it? about government that gives power? Well, there's two things, right? There's the people's approval, or the, I guess, not approval, as much as the people's respect for the system, and money. Okay, let's look at big pharma. (laughs) I mean, really, do we even need to dig into this? It's not so much to build cures, and make people healthy and find ways to prolong life as it is to make money off of doing those things. And sometimes, when things aren't going well and corners have to be cut, what takes precedent? All right, The money, the flow, the income. When a company is in the red, you would not believe the corners they cut, they don't even need to be in the red. If, if there is a greed drive in there, if there is a, a power drive and a greed drive that supersedes that survival drive, then corners are going to be cut no matter what. <laughs> it's uh, only a matter of whether or not they get caught. Big tech, come on, please. That, that is so completely obvious that money is the center of that one. Big tech is, I think, one of the worst because it uses almost all possible vectors of attack uh, to to make money. There's advertisement. There's infringement of personal privacy and and, uh, uh, information rights. Uh, Planned obsolescence. (laughs) I mean, that is nothing but money-driven. And I think worst of all, there is this more... It's more subtle, but it's far more vicious than the others. It's the forced necessity of their technology. No other market is capable of of producing some te- technology or some product. And then... <sighs> Orchestrating everything else and and architecting this this scenario where their technology is now an absolute necessity if you're going to make it. And what is that all about? Fucking money, goddamn straight. Now, there really is no other way around this. Uh, there's no law. Um there's no regulatory action that can fix these problems. This is something that is inherent in how we use money. Uh, Perhaps even the nature of what exactly money is. Money is global power. It, it, it is a source, the source <laughs> of material and energetic omnipotence. Uh, money's usefulness comes from the it comes from the social contract. Uh, the con- it, mm, it comes from <laughs> kind of this total social agreement, this contract upon which its power is predicated. Our communal agreement empowers this chosen symbol, whatever whatever is chosen to, to be money, to act as a value stand-in, uh, both as a unit of account and a medium of exchange. But in doing so, and simply due to the nature of such an agreement, such a social contract, a symbol has no true temporal or spatial home, I guess. So, the moment you choose a symbol and the moment a community agrees on that symbol, it also instantly (laughs) becomes a store of value. And that right there, that is... Those are the three functions of money. Store of value, unit of account, and medium of exchange. But here's the kicker. Store of value and medium of exchange are both (laughs) in direct conflict with the most fundamental um, uh, laws of science that we know of currently, and which are the laws of thermodynamics. So uh, just let's, let's kind of hash these out really quick. So everybody kind of knows where, where I'm coming from. Store of value supposes the existence of a mechanism, which can freeze entropy, actually stop things from moving toward equilibrium or, or, uh, increasing entropy. A medium of exchange supposes that energy and matter can actually be exchanged and which is another direct violation of the the laws of entropy, Uh, meaning matter and energy are never exchanged. They, They only flow from low entropy to high entropy, from improbable configurations to the highest probability configuration. Exchange is not only impossible, in the natural world, Uh, acting as though it is, causes a system to move even faster toward entropy. It actually increases the rate of entropy. It increases unnecessarily the the increase in entropy of a system, which is not a good thing. Okay, so we've got two of the functions of money down. (laughs) Let's talk about the last one, unit of account. So, sure, there actually are no problems here. Uh, labeling things according to quantity, uh, giving them a unit, is not inherently a problem. But what is a problem is where these labels come from and what exactly they mean. Now, in our uh, modern economic machine, <laughs> um, we... Tend to fabricate uh, new money a lot out of the blue. We decide how much currently to add to our system. Something that is so utterly impossible in you know in nature, <laughs> but uh, uh, you know it it boggles the mind to think that that this system could ever actually work. Uh, you you can't just fabricate uh energy <laughs> and matter out of nowhere that 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 is not a thing that is uh possible so it's not so much that we are you know assigning uh values and units to to um, to our money that actually makes sense but what is crazy is <laughs> Making money out of nowhere, because if money is to represent you know work performed and uh, and value of a product, then printing new money or you know even even uh, even counterfeit money is 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 attempting to introduce energy and matter into a system that wasn't there before, which is just fucking impossible. <sighs> anyway, so there, there are two major forces at work in our current pandemic of distrust. Uh, the first one is, is the natural humans, uh, humanity's psychological and sociological reaction to what money is. And being that, um, this is um, that money itself has has become and introduced a, a brand new focus of what motivates okay so and you know in general, <laughs> introducing introducing a new motivation, you, you know a new motivational focus, a new focal point of. What motivates, against the backdrop of of humanity's um, evolutionary timeline, and and how different um, envir- environmental uh, motivations have have helped, I guess, you know, navigate that space. The introduction of a currency is something that's actually. A fairly recent sort of thing it's not something we've had time to adapt to via evolution. In fact, I'm not sure we will ever actually be able to adapt to uh, money as as a point of or a source of motivation uh, for for several reasons I'm not going to go into right now, but um, anyway, uh, the second major force <laughs> sorry. Um, in our current, you know, pandemic of distrust is the flagrant use of a system, a.k.a. money, that flies directly, directly in the face of core scientific principles and understanding, a.k.a. thermodynamics. So the problem here, like the big whoops, what the fuck did we do, is that we have just saturated everything about humans with the financial drive. It's, it's literally everywhere. It peppers our society. It's not just peppered, it's just everywhere. It's saturated, it's, it's soaked into our pores, it's flowing down the river or down the streets it's in the rivers, it's everywhere. This financial drive is literally the skeletal structure of our entire global economic system. And I don't think there's, personally, I don't think there's a way to work with money productively. Uh, Maybe there are uses for, you know, assigning some symbol, some value of something, but assigning some symbol, (laughs) an omnipotent value, something that can represent anything and everything humans will ever possibly value, that is dangerous. And we see it. it. I mean, where do you think the term money is the root of all evil comes from? It's not because it does so much good. I can pretty much guarantee that it comes from the fact <laughs> that we have a stripped nature <laughs> of controlling the, those things which are our natural motivational foci. right? Which are like uh, survival, reproduction, uh, comfort, um, shelter, transportation, health, pleasure, whatever right all of all of those things used to be provided for us by mother nature they they used to be out there they used to be something you could go out and get when you required it when you needed it or you could seek after it wh- whatever you know my point is is that they used to be something you could just naturally go out and you know formulate the way you're going to you're going to fill that need Go out and get it. Feel that need. Now, <laughs> the only way to do that is to buy into the system, is to accept money as the supreme, omnipotent God that we have all allowed it to become. I mean, how are you going to survive without money? Are you going to go up to the mountains and... And uh, you know hunt your own uh, game how are you gonna have your own farm how, how are you going to meet a girl an her without money how are you gonna get married and have kids and make sure they are all healthy without money you can't not in this world not the way we've allowed this world to become you can't how are you gonna start a business without money It doesn't matter if you have have the best fucking idea in the world. If you don't have money to start a business, that that life-changing product you've been dreaming of, it's going down the drain. Nobody's ever going to hear about it because you didn't have the money necessary to put it into production. Uh, So that's about it. Um, I'm... Really concerned about this. I think we have overestimated, uh, the importance and the utility of, of money in the role of a culture. I don't think we, no, I know, <laughs> I don't think, I know we, we didn't foresee the issues with thermodynamics. In fact, I think I'm the only one that's tread on this so far, but that there's no way we could have foreseen you know thousands of years ago and when, when humans started to use trade and money and really starting to integrate it into the human culture nobody could have possibly foreseen the uh the issues that have just cropped up through the rich soil of of uh <laughs> money right it's caused so many problems and now we're kind of stuck duck in it where it's like just we've built this massive armored structure around humanity and now nobody it's not just that we don't know how to get how to get out of it most people don't even know that we're fucking in it (laughs) what yeah anyway i apologize i've gotten uh about 10 minutes over but um yeah, I'm just really concerned about this. I, I think I think people have not yet become aware of, of the issues associated with money. I think we need to really sit down and brainstorm and come up with a different means of uh, distribution and resource allocation because when you make a symbol of God over everything that You need to survive and become the best possible you. And then you give others control over that. How how is that not asking for, um, you know, a cataclysmic end? Anyway, uh, thank you for listening and I will see you guys next time. In the interest of transparency, the Great Filter Podcast is a Phobos Tech production. All proceeds go to funding the STEM Theory Research Project and other Phobos Tech research endeavors. If you enjoyed this episode, please show your support by sharing, liking, and subscribing. You may also help support our efforts with a small monthly donation. Thanks.